Hi, friends. Welcome to the Revenue Real Hotline, where twice a week we'll bring you conversations designed to help you make better decisions and find more joy while selling. I'm Amy Rahovchek, and I'll be your guide. Let's go. Catherine Bennett, welcome to the Revenue Real Hotline, friend. As I was just sharing, you look absolutely stunning today. Your contour is just flawless and beautiful. Thank you. Well, it's a very high end, that $10 palette that I got. Oh my gosh, no. So this is a million dollar question. Are you a Sephora or Ulta gal? Oh, if you can believe it, I actually do both. I know. Oh my God, you're cheating. (laughs) Well, let's say we have a Sephora in a town that's an hour from me, but I do have an Ulta nearby. Yeah. So if you're going to put my feet to the fire, I'm going to say Sephora, but Ulta will do, you know. Yeah. In a pinch, it is closer. Yeah. Yeah. Catherine, welcome. As I said, I'm so excited for this, for this conversation. I finished your book, Productive Pain, which is incredible. I'm a big fan of your podcast. No, really, everything's fine. Like, Obviously, you and I have connected over proposals and RFPs multiple times over. And so getting ready to, I think Pi is, what is it? The proposal industry experts. Yeah. And so I just, you're like my, my. I don't want to, oh, and oh my gosh, I almost forgot. The super heavyweight division, second place, super heavyweight division of US National Strong Women Contest, second place, winner. I know you've been national, like you're a national champion in multiple categories. You're amazing. And so I'm going to stop fangirling and give you a moment to introduce (laughs) yourself and maybe tell our listener what it is that you do every day. And then we'll dive right in. Yeah, I appreciate you. This is going to be a lot of fun. So I, my name is Catherine Bennett. I am again, I'm a certified professional services marketer, which means that I really focus heavily on how do we get professional services like architecture, engineering, and construction, uh, tech, legal, medical, how do we really sell those services through proposals and other kind of formal procurement functions? So that's what I do for my day job. But And I love it. I love technical communications. I love selling. I love sales enablement. And on the side, I just kind of have a lot of hobbies that I tend to dive into. Really aggressively. Yeah. Um, yeah. The primary one, the primary one right now is strength sports. I hold two world records in grip and I just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I just competed on the national stage for the first time. And so the first time I'm on, I'm at that show, I get second place and it really was just a dream come true. So that's what I do with my time. I live here in Western Colorado up in the mountains with my cat who has two teeth. He's 10 years old. Okay. <laughs> His name's Kevin. <laughs> so yep. And that's a, I go to the hot springs every night. Like that's a little bit about me. <laughs> oh my God. And listener, like I would be remiss to not mention that Catherine, you have green hair. Like mm. I think that is so baller. I think Thank it's you. so baller. And then tarot, the justice tarot card behind you. It was funny. I was talking to somebody today and was showing me their tattoo. It was a rendition of one of the tarot cards. And I was like, son of a gun, like you're the second person that's talked tarot. This I've got me... the tarot card for strength on the back of my arm here with Sailor Moon and the Steven Universe Lion. That so. is awesome. That's awesome. I didn't even yeah. know that too. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. All right. So Catherine, like I got to ask you, like what topic right now, what is getting you all fired up? What's ruffling feathers in like any way, shape or form, either the positive or the negative? I get a couple. Like one of them's one of them's job interviews okay. uh, for proposal people specifically. Yeah. Okay. Talk, yeah. Let's talk yeah, about Yeah, let's do this one. <laughs> I quit my day job at the beginning of, to try to pursue some side projects. Now I'm looking to get back into full-time work. And it's been really interesting, the diverse experiences that I've been having with these job interviews. But the biggest... <laughs> 
what kind of funniest part of what's going on is people dogging their own companies in job interviews, which is like a brand new experience for me. And I think it's happened since COVID. Like usually when I've been going on job interviews before, and like, let's be honest, I hop around from lots of different places because I'm always curious about new things. And I always want to like help people spin up and refine their processes. And then I get then I'm board. kind of ready to go on. Yeah. yeah. And so this is the first time in in my interviewing career where folks are being really brutally honest about their own company's shortcomings. Yeah. And I am just trying to figure out how to adjust to that. Can I ask you a question about that before you like yeah. go deep into it? Do you think that they're being brutally honest or are you just getting better at asking the questions or some version of both? No, I'm asking. I have a standard like set of you, you're questions asking the that I've asked questions. for my whole career. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it, it, they're offering it up, and I don't know. Maybe I'm just better at making people feel at ease now because I'm, yeah. you know, getting older and like starting to feel more confident. But I, I don't think that explains all of it. Like it's because it's really across the board, and it's been fascinating to watch as these companies kind of uh, and the teams like. Uh, my hypothesis is that these folks are being so pressed from so many directions that even when they're trying to bring new people on into their teams, their enthusiasm just isn't there for their company. They'll say, you know, the benefits are great. The teamwork is great. But here are here's the litany of problems that we have and like know about these because before you come on. And I have mixed feelings about that because I think it's good to have your eyes wide open when you go in. And I'm like, wow, if they're willing to say this in an interview, what does this mean about what's happening in that company? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. it's, yeah, it's been a really interesting phenomenon. And I guess now that we're just, now that we're just talking about that, I had a couple interactions today that really surprised me from that perspective. And I'm, you know, kind of leaning into that and trying to figure out what's going on. You know, it's, it's funny that you're saying this. So I actually had somebody reach out to me yesterday about an open sales enablement director position. And mm-hmm. it's funny because this company was on my like diamond account, like target list for the podcast services, right? Helping sales enablement leaders launch their first internal podcast. And it's like a legal tech company, right? Which is my love. Anyway, they want someone in the office three days a week. And it's just... It breaks my heart a little bit, but at the same time, it's like I, I too am kind of having head scratching observations about what's going on out there right now. And I know that's a little bit of a different thing, but like I want to go back to what you said. I just wanted to put that context there. You know, I think that one of the challenges on a macro level that I'm reading a lot about, right, is this idea of retention and how to keep people engaged and dare I use the word happy, like I know you have different opinions about happiness versus functioning. I forget what chapter number that is. But I I think at the root, it's a lack of connection and trust established across teams. And I don't know if the just the period of time that we're living in is making it harder. I don't know if the lack of being physically present with your team is a function of that. But it's amazing how much and how deeply people are feeling that lack of connection. Yes, yeah, so I've been working. I've been working from home for about eight years, so this was not even new to me when the pandemic struck. Okay, I had been going into the office for a couple of days a week just to print things off, like for to print bids off. So I've been working at home for a really long time, and I think this hit a lot of people in the gut in a way that they weren't expecting. And building communication, so I'm neurodivergent. Um, Social situations are super difficult for me, like in-person engagements, because there's so much stimulation. There's so much 
in an office environment, even like I'm allergic to a lot of perfumes and cigarette smoke. I have asthma. Like working in an office is just brutal for me personally. Mm -hmm. And so moving into this model has really been beneficial to me because I have the ability to now, even as we're conversing here on Zoom, is that I'm in a comfortable space in comfortable clothes in a predictable environment where I don't have all those distractions and therefore I'm much more successful. But I think there are a lot of people whose brains don't work quite like that. And I really empathize with them because that's got to be, it's got to be the same as like forcing me into an office is forcing other people to stay home when they need that physical connection, when they need that that interaction. So yes, yes. And I think that you and I have clocked a lot of hours in the mental health care system. I know you have a deep recovery journey and we joke about, you know, the fuzzy socks and, (laughs) you know, all that fun stuff. And so because of our, I think, awareness of how we are, how we operate, what works and what doesn't, we're able to make those smart choices. But I also, I don't think a lot of people have that benefit of that level of, yeah, I guess self-awareness is a good I do want to cast some hope here. I do think that this current moment in time has caused a lot of people to ask those questions of themselves and to seek out the support and the help to start their own journey. It didn't need to get as dire as things for you and I, but right. I don't know. What, what would you say to that? No, I 100% agree. I think that this is a this is absolutely an inflection point. Working is fine, but I'm always really interested in how people work. There's doing a task, doing a task is great. Like we can sell, we can create documents, we can respond to RFPs, we can do capture management tasks. But the really interesting part of those processes and of those systems is how are we being more efficient? How are we doing it better? And how are we caring for ourselves as we go through those activities? I've got a master's in public health and social and behavioral health. I'm a Lean Six Sigma green belt. Like I I love diving into how these systems support people. And I think that there's a lot more cognizance around that right now. How do the systems at work support people? Because we've seen government systems kind of fail large swaths of our population, Mm -hmm. looking at it at this big picture level and then winnowing it down to the community level, to the organization level, to the family level and saying, like, is this stuff actually serving us? And I would hope that the workplace, that questioning in the workplace helps question us in our personal lives as well and lead us to different and better conclusions. I got to say, when you were saying that people were being really, I mean, is transparent the right word or just would you say negative? Like, I don't think it's kind of, you don't think it's transparent. Like I would be shaking their hand and saying, thank you very much. And I think of that information asymmetry that candidates historically did not have all of the information. But in, in fact, that misalignment was pretty great in that employers held a lot of the power and a lot of the information and the candidates held none. And then, of course, when candidates let's say, maybe started and realized it wasn't a good fit, then they were also penalized for hopping around. And so in many ways, I'm probably a little biased in the sense that I am glad to hear that people are looking out for each other at that interview level. But you clearly are having an experience where this feels different. Yeah, it was just disorienting, right? Because like I come in and I'm, I don't know, I have like, I think a lot of us have this kind of like, like trajectory when we start a new job because I've done it a lot, right? Mm-hmm. You start a new job and you feel ambitious and hopeful and everything's going to be great. And then and the interview is usually a part of that process, right? Like we're on the upswing. And to have those challenges just smack you in the face immediately upon starting the first conversation with a hiring manager is just really unusual for what I've experienced. And so it's so, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is transparency. Maybe it is kind of like skewing the balance of power back into the favor of the candidate. 
And to me, sometimes I'm like, wow, these seem like really big problems. Are you expecting for somebody in this role to be able to tackle all of them? And it's just kind of like, like even on the Zooms, there are just some people whose eyes are kind of like tired, you know, and it's a, this is a very different candidate cycle for me than I've ever been through in my life. So it's just a pretty interesting to see how this will play out. What made you make the decision to go back in? To, to full-time? I'm just, I'm a little nervous about finances. So here's the thing is the way I live my life is that I view my path in front of me as a series of stones in like a pond and you put your foot on it and you test each stone and some of them sink a little bit. Some of them drop away immediately and some of them seem like they're going to hold. But if you don't experiment and like test and see which thing makes sense, you might not end up on the right path. Like if you just jump wholeheartedly onto one and it happens to be the one that sinks. So I'm not risk averse, but I am really thoughtful about where I put my energy and my effort. And so right now, yes, I do have two or three businesses that I'm spinning up, you know, I'm doing some things outside of my desk and kind of selling the book and doing, trying to work towards having my own gym and things along those lines. But it's nice to have a steady stream of income just in case. All right, all that wraps another installment of Revenue Real Hotline. Today's episode was produced by the fabulous Nian Fiedler. Naturally, I'd like to thank my guests for sharing their brilliance and stories with us. And thank you too, listener. I know you've got a ton of options and I appreciate you choosing us. For anyone who wants to support the show, do follow us wherever you listen and be sure to join us next time for more conversations designed to help you make better decisions and find more joy while selling. I'm Amy Rahovchik and that's a wrap. <laughs>